Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School, the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. And we are learning. We are growing. And this kind of thing builds in you. The scripture talks about uh, going from faith to faith. And that happens as you're fed, not just people's ideas and theories, uh, but the Word, the anointed Word. So get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come on into the classroom, we've saved you a spot right up front. Turn everything else off. Give this your full attention. And you're giving the Lord your full attention, you're giving His Word your full attention. You will get answers when you do that. Father, all of us Agree together today is touching this, asking you for the anointing, asking you for answers, asking you to open the scriptures up to us and uh, help us to see these living truths, that they are much, much more than, than history. We ask for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 10 again, please, at our, one of our main texts on this series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. In 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about in verse 1 uh, through 4 about how that our fathers, referring to the uh, Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage, they all went under the cloud through the Red Sea. The verse 3, they ate of the same spiritual food. Now that's referring to the manna. And uh, 4, they, they drank of the same spiritual drink. Uh, they drank of that spiritual rock that went with them, and that rock was Christ. So everything that happened in these accounts is typical. It is portraying truth about the redemptive work of Christ. Verse 5, he said, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Say this out loud, not God's will. will. It was never God's will or plan for them to be overthrown in the wilderness. A lot of people are confused about this. And they imply that everything that happens or doesn't happen is somehow the mysterious will of God. And this is not true, and, and you see, if you carry that logic on out to its conclusion, you'll have God changing, saying this and doing this, and this is what He said, but then we wound up doing something else. No. God's will was always for them to come out of slavery, short trek across the wilderness into Canaan's land, and live there. Have a good life. Own their own homes. Have their own orchards, vineyards, herds, flocks, wells. 
have a good life. Pass it down to their children, their children's children. That was God's plan. And this first, first generation that he brought out enjoyed none of it. They totally missed the plan of God. They totally missed the will of God. And they thought it was because they were too small. They, couldn't, they didn't have the weapons. The giants were too big. The walls were too impenetrable. None of that was true. Because the next generation went in, proving it could be done. And uh, they believed the circumstances were just too hard for anybody to be positive and have faith and confidence and all of that kind of thing. But that wasn't true either, because in the midst of all of this unbelief, and even after 40 years, two individuals stood out that did it. Joshua and Caleb. Proving that the whole rest of them could have done the same thing. Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. Caleb took his land. Joshua was the leader. Caleb took a whole mountain and he picked out the one that had the big giants on it. He said, I want that one. He was tired of hearing about them. After 40 years, right? Everybody telling him it couldn't be done. He's tired of it. And at 80 years old, somebody say 80, 80. At 80 years old. He came and told Joshua, give me this mountain. Give it to me. And Joshua said, go get it, boy. Get it. And he took it. And his family and his tribe had it and enjoyed it. So there will always be people who tell you it can't be done. It can't be done here. Not now. Not in this time. Not for you with your lack of this and lack of that. There will always be 10,000 reasons why it won't work, why you can't have it. And most people will just, you know, concede and go, well, you know, that's life. You know, that's just how it is. Whatever will be, will be. No, mm -mm. the will of God doesn't happen automatically. He, he reveals it to you. He shows you what he wants. And then you got to have some gumption and get up and go get it. And go take it, and he will help you every step of the way, but you can't just lay and cry and wait for it to fall on you. That's not how it worked with them. It's not how faith works today. The scripture said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold <laughs> on eternal life. Say it out loud. Fight, fight. the good fight, the good fight. Of, faith. of faith. Does that sound like laying on the couch and crying and feeling sorry for yourself and, and doing nothing? No, you've got to stir yourself up. You've got to go for it. You've got to reach. You've got to stretch. You've got to lay hold. And he will help you. But how do you help nothing? How do you bless nothing? It's hard to steer a parked car. Right? You've got, you got to give God something to work with. Something to bless. Well, he went on to say in verse 10, don't murmur like some of them murmured. They were destroyed of the destroyer. All these things happened as examples, and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Go back to Exodus, please, the 16th chapter again. And we had gotten into our third and fourth event of the ten times that they failed to believe God. The first one was in Exodus 14, 
when they got to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army came after them. God split the Red Sea, destroyed all their enemies, solved that problem. And then the second one, they traveled just three days and they were singing and shouting, praising God over the Red Sea victory, but three days and they couldn't find water and they lost the victory and they started griping again. But God turned the bitter water sweet and revealed himself there as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Well, after that, chapter 16, well, actually, you know, verse 27 of 15, they came to an oasis and enjoyed some time there, 12 wells or fountains of water and 70 palm trees. So they had a, had a time of, of rest there. And they took their journey from Elam, chapter 16. They came to the wilderness of Zin, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And it's worth noticing how many times this word is mentioned in this chapter, this word murmuring. We saw on the last week's studies that the word murmur literally means to stop and stay. Now, when I first read that, I thought, huh? <laughs> you know, because it's obviously referring to some grumbling and complaining. That's part of it. So how can it mean its primary meaning to stay? Well, it overlaps with the idea of obstinacy, which is, you know, like a stubborn mule that stops and won't go, even though the the drivers pulling on them or whatever, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're not going to go. And I saw it. If you're going to complain, you're going to remain. <laughs> if you're going to grumble and murmur about your situation, you will not get out of your situation. You will stay in it. And isn't that what happened to them? They, the Lord couldn't convince them to quit their murmuring. So what happened? They never got out of it. And what part of, a big part of their murmuring, one of their punchlines at the end was always, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. And you know, oftentimes people say things they obviously don't want. And a lot of times they really don't mean it. They're just used to being negative. And they grew up with that. It was around them their whole life. And in this world, you're going to hear it on every side. People just negative, just, you know, can you believe this? Ah, you know, what's the world coming to? How are we going to make it with this? How are we going to ever do this? But with God, that's not innocent nothing. That's not okay. That, he, he said on one occasion in Malachi, he said, your words have been stout against me. Now, no believer should purposely do that, and yet people are doing it. What? If he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will never let you down, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory, I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and the verses go on and on and on. If he says that, and yet all you want to talk is, I don't see how we're going to make it. There's just no way. What do you mean no way? 
can God, can God make a way? Then, then, then why would you say, I, I, you know, I, I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm, ju- I'm done. I just can't. People look at that and go, well, you know, they're just having a bad day. Well, they had a bad day. <laughs> right at the Red Sea and at Marah. And here again, and eventually all their bad days added up to a bad life. Totally missing the plan of God. Now that's serious, isn't it? To totally miss the plan of God for your life. And sadly, it's happening today. And it's not because God changes his mind. It's not because God has a temper and gets mad and goes, well, I'm through with them. Are you are you joking? His patience is astounding. Your patience is long gone and his is barely begun. He's amazing. And yet, he will not force us to believe or trust or listen or obey. And because of that, people are being lost and people are missing his plan and people are missing his will. We can't control all that. What we can do is decide for ourselves and set set an example for other people around us to see that you don't have to be a negative soul, right? You don't have to gripe and complain. Even when you're hit with problems, even when there's something daunting, even when it, it shakes you externally and you have to gulp and go, okay. God's still on the throne. <laughs> God is still on the throne. He's, sometimes it's the simplest phrase that is a powerful statement of faith. Hmm? Just looking at somebody and going, it's going to be okay. Why? Not, not because I got all the answers or I'm going to make it all happen, but God. So somebody say God. God, God is real. He's my father. Is that right? He has come through for me how many times? How many times has he answered a prayer? And he will come through again. Just watch. Just watch. This, God's going to take care of us. He will show us what to do. He, he, will, he will give us the answer. He will lead us out of this into total victory. Those are powerful. Those are, that's strong faith. When you're feeling shaken and yet you choose to talk not how you feel, but you talk what you believe and you agree with him. And they could have done that at any one of these times. What you don't see, but you know is happening in behind the text here, Joshua and Caleb are not joining in with this. (laughs) They had to listen to it for 40 years. I'm impressed with them boys. <laughs> Is that right? That they, that they kept it together? Is that right? For 40 years and didn't lose their faith and didn't lose their vision? Impressive. That's the example you follow. But these are the ones you don't follow. They complained. They said they murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They said, would to God we'd have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Well, the Lord heard all this. Verse 4, the Lord said, Behold, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people will go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them, 
whether they'll walk in my law or no. This is going to sound like too big of a statement, but the biggest problem on the planet is people won't listen. It's no more complicated than that. Won't listen to God. Won't listen. Won't heed Him. Won't believe Him. Won't do what He said. Biggest problem on the planet. And this is what He's saying here. This is what He was, He kept trying to work with them and, and for them to be convinced and persuaded they could trust Him. He's given them every reason in the world to trust Him. But every time there's a challenge, they choose not to. And so here's opportunities to see, okay, all right, you didn't listen at the Red Sea, you didn't listen at Marah, you're already griping again for the third major time here, but I'm going to give you another opportunity to prove that you can change, that you'll trust me, see if you'll listen to me on this. He said, uh, I'm going to rain bread out of the sky. And you'll pick it up day to day. And on the sixth day, there'll be twice as much. We see, in, in skip, skip on down to verse 13, it came to pass at evening the quails came up and covered the camp. In the morning the dew lay round about the host, and when the dew that lay on the face of the wilderness, when, when it was gone up, there was left a small thing like hoar or white frost on the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it is manna, King James says, but the literal is, they said, what is it? What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? What is this? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And then this is the thing he said, the Lord has commanded, gather it, uh, every one of you according to his eating, an omer. For every man. Now we find out later, we're, we're actually given these measurements, an omer was a tenth of an ephah. And uh, apparently, uh, it was a, an ephah was about 20 quarts, and that's a dry measure. And so this would be about two quarts, two quarts per person per day. And a dry measure is about 74 ounces, about 4.6 pounds. And when I looked at this the other day, I thought, now hold on. This is times 2 million. <laughs> because we know the exact number of the fighting age men. There were 603,550 fighting men, way over a half million. That's not counting the women. That's not counting the children. That's not counting the old people. Can you see? Um, I think you could easily triple that number, and that's, you know, 1.8 something. So you're right around two. Some people think it could be closer to three, but let's be conservative and say two million people. Four and a half pounds of food per person. <laughs> That's approaching 10 million pounds of food a day. A day. A day. <laughs> now, now, why am I talking about this? Why did God do this? 
He could have done the, How many understand? He could have fed these people a million other different ways than this. Why did he do this? It's a demonstration. A demonstration of his love. A demonstration of his faithfulness. And a demonstration of his ability. Now here's something else you've got to uh, calculate. Ten million pounds of food a day times 40 years. <laughs> you know how much food that is? <laughs> now you can do your own math, but approximately 150 billion pounds of food, enough to fill a grain train of 100-ton cars stretching from Florida to Japan, <laughs> 8,000 miles. <laughs> it's okay to say, wow. <laughs> wow. And it all just fell out of the sky. No grocery store, no factory, huh? not even a crop. Why would God do that? He, he's showing us. I can feed you anywhere. It wouldn't matter if you're in the bleakest desert on the planet and you're 10,000 miles away from anything resembling food or water. He fed them with bread out of the sky and water out of rocks. Demonstrating that. Should, should that mean something to us today? It is. It is the same today. And it should mean something to us today. And uh, the scriptures indicate that it tasted good. <laughs> That it said it was like, it was small, uh, like a coriander seed, and white. And they ground it up, like we said, everybody that went out to gather it. Here's an amazing thing, let's, let's go ahead and read it back in Exodus 16. And it said, uh, verse 16, gather every man according to his eating an omer for every man, two quarts, uh, for every man. And uh, the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it, that's the word for measure, they measured it with this two-quart uh, container. Now, when we say two quarts, it's not just the 32 ounce. It's a dry measure. So it's, I think it's 37 ounces. And, of course, I don't know exactly what that, what that size of that was. But uh, that four... 4.6 pounds, when they measured it, he that had gathered much had nothing over, he that gathered little had no lack, they gathered every man according to his eating, they all went out there every morning, and they, uh, when, when the dew evaporated, all this white, this little white stuff is, is laid out, and they could gather it, like little coriander seed, and they'd gather it. And when they all got back, now we're talking, you know, two million people. When they all got back, 
and measured it out, it was exactly two quarts per person for the whole people. <laughs> it's okay to say wow. Wow. <laughs> and if you gathered extra or you didn't gather as much, when they got it and measured it out and distributed it, two quarts for everybody all through the camp. Why'd God do this? He's showing. This is no accident. This is no freak of nature. Does God understand the atmosphere? Well, he ought to. He made it. Right? Does he understand chemistry? <laughs> Can he do stuff? You'll hear people scoff and go, are you joking? Bread fell out of the sky. Yeah, right. Well, you're an unbeliever. I feel sorry for you. You'll do without. You see what their unbelief cost them? They never found the will of God. They never enjoyed it. And so you can imagine yourself to be so intelligent and educated and scoff and mock and say it can't happen. But you can't prove how the heavens and earth were created. You weren't there. Something caused it to happen. You don't know what it was. So how do you know it wasn't this? <laughs> right? You can't prove this didn't happen. Can you prove it did? Ain't my job. God didn't call me to prove it. <laughs> I'd be like an ant trying to defend a tank. <laughs> don't hurt this tank. <laughs> God don't need me to prove him. <laughs> he didn't call me to prove him. He called me to believe him. Yeah. Trust him. And I'm standing here today saying, I believe every bit of this happened exactly like it's written in this book. Ten million pounds of bread fell out of the sky every day for 40 years. Hallelujah. 40 years. 150 billion pounds of food. <laughs> Fed all these people. Oh, somebody say glory to God. And if he can feed you, where there's no grocery stores, no crops, Nothing to eat or drink as far as the eye can see. He's saying, I don't have to have that. I can feed you anywhere. Kenny said out loud, my God, my God can, take care of me can take care of me anywhere, anywhere. in any economy, no matter who's in charge, no matter what's going on, no matter where I live, my God, whom I serve, whom I trust, he will take good care of me. I'll be well fed. I'll be well clothed, well housed, well cared for my entire life because my God is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's faithful and he can do anything. Hallelujah things we ne never crossed our mind. Well, the time is up again, but are you stirred up about it? I am. Come back tomorrow. There's more to see. See you soon. Back here in Faith School.
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.